listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Please participate in our Twitter poll question. If you were the Mets, would you have signed Zach Wheeler to a five-year, $118 million deal? Yes or no? It's very simple. And uh, we'll update the poll in a second. We'll be joined by Rich Catino in about two seconds. But first, via Twitter, Carl Semkow says DeGrom got five for 137.5 with 52.5 million deferred into the 2030s. And he's won two Cy Young Awards. Now, Wheeler, who has done nothing, in caps, nothing, gets five for 118. I know Jake won the security, but man, is he taking the short end of the stick and the Mets bulk at giving him that. And as we bring in Rich Catino, you know, Rich, that's an interesting comment because some of us, and I'm going to raise my hand, I was guilty, thought that they should have waited to make the deal long-term with uh, Jacob DeGrom. And if they had, they would have spent even more money with this climate, huh? They really would have. And, and that goes to show you that when the market evolves, you really don't know which way it's going to go. But, you know, I think what Mets fans have to ask themselves, and look, we'll get to the whole ownership thing in a sec, I'm sure, but... The present people making the decisions with the Mets, if you spin the clock 24 months ago, would you have rather given the money to Jacob DeGrom or Zach Wheeler? And I think even if you ask that question today, the answer would have been Jacob DeGrom. Now, mm-hmm. Zach Wheeler, one thing that he did the last two, mo- two years is prove that the injuries were weighing his past and proved his durability. So i got to give him a lot of credit for that. Um, but to me, he's a third or fourth starter in a rotation at best. And the Phillies are paying him like a number one starter. And they already tried that with a guy named Arietta, and that didn't work. They got a better team with Zach Wheeler, but let's not make it like they have two aces at the top of that rotation. To me, they still have only one. And I think Wheeler will be a, a very serviceable pitcher for them. I think he'll give them a, between a 3-5 and a 4 ERA. He'll give them a representative season. But if they're expecting signing award numbers from a guy, which they paid him like a signing award winner, that hasn't proven to be the case yet with Zach Wheeler. I think, you know, it would have been fine if the Mets kept him, but I would not have gone in the $100 million plus mark for any level of a contract. I might have had to stop it at 5 for 75 or 5 for 80 or 3 for far less. So I do think the Mets did the right thing in walking away from the marketplace for a pitcher who's not an ace. And I actually think the Braves made a, made a better pickup today than the Mets than the Phillies did because in Cole Hamels, they get him for $18 million, but only a one-year commitment. Mm-hmm. And they had to pay him more than they would if they gave him a longer commitment per year anyway. But you have to pay the player more in order to have the – ability to get out of it after one year. And the Braves did that. And I think the Braves did a much better job today than the Phillies did. Is it a concern, Rich? And we'll talk about ownership, as you mentioned in a second. Is it concern that Wheeler ends up going to a team in your division? You know, you just mentioned the Hamels deal. That goes to Atlanta, another team in your division. And, oh, by the way, the world champions came out of your division. So, Rich, this division is going to be, it's going to be one of the toughest, obviously one of the toughest in the National League, clearly one of the tougher ones in baseball. It is, but remember, the Mets will have a full season of a guy they didn't have at the start of the year in the rotation last year, and that's Marcus Stroman. And I'll contend here on your station right now that Marcus Stroman in 2020 will have a better year than either Zach Wheeler will or Cole Hamels. Okay, we'll see. 
We'll see. It's going to be interesting to find out. All right, Rich, what can you tell us about uh, Steve Cohen, who is negotiating an agreement with Sterling Partners uh, to, in five years, really take over the uh, reins of this Met franchise? Well, everything I'm hearing from people in the know is that if this deal is approved and they negotiate it, the name of Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon will be in the same titles. But I can't think a guy with the with the uh, past of, of a Cohen would come in, pay that much money to get majority ownership of the team and not have any say in personnel or important things in for five years. I can't believe he would do that. So I think he'll have more control in the five-year period than most people think. Hmm. I think the reason why the Wilpons are going to stay is there are certain things that are happening PR-wise with this organization the Tom Seaver statue, the Jerry Kuzman retired number. And I think they feel they've been such a big part of getting those things done that they want to be a part of that when it actually is officially announced. I look at Fred and Jeff Wilpon, if this gets approved, and again, it hasn't been approved yet, and it hasn't even been negotiated fully yet, but if it's approved, I got to think that those are just name titles for the Wilpons, but I don't think Cohen is going to wait five years to put his mark on this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it'll happen right away, but I can't believe it's going to be five years. Now, I will say this because, as you know, I've been involved in a lot of companies that have merged and remerged and unmerged, and I do know that companies tend to, you know, when they, they have sellers for their organization, they try to cut overhead. We've seen it in our media industry. I've personally seen it. But I think sports is a little different because you look at the Met overall payroll in the next few years, and it is going to go down once the Cespedes contract is done next year, once the David Wright contract is done. So I do think that, you know, this is an owner, and the Met fans will be glad to hear this. This is an owner I don't think is going to be afraid about getting past the luxury tax, and particularly for the Mets, if they go over the luxury tax, it will be their first offense. And the first offense, you're a lot less stringent in terms of the penalties you, you receive. I think that the Met ownership will be more likely to bring in big-time free agents. I don't know if it's going to happen right away. I don't know if it's even going to happen in the next 12 to 24 months. But I can really be rest assured that there's not going to be a five-year transition. And then stone cold and that five-year, 60-month period, Steve Cohen then – gets all the ability to make decisions. I think it'll be a hybrid of that, and I think he'll have some decision-making far before that five-year period. Rich Coutinho, who covers the Mets for us here on 98.7 ESPN, is my guest. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN New York. So, Rich, let's talk a little bit on some of the trade rumors and some of the things that are going on. I just had a caller before you joined us who asked me, uh, Bruce from Flushing asked me, which would I, I guess, which would I, I wasn't Bruce, it was somebody else. Uh, which would I rather? Would I rather make a deal to get Hader in or would I rather make a deal to get Marte? And Rich, um, the Mets need both. So for me, I'm kind of leaning towards trying to get this, solidify this defense a little bit up the middle and then go to the bullpen. What do you think? I think the defense up the middle is very important because your team is built around a strength of starting pitching. I think the bullpen and the defense are equally important. I do think the Mets need, and we talked about this all last year, Larry, that 
you know, in one of my last calls with you uh, when we were wrapping up the season, I said how the Mets need a defensive center fielder. Mm-hmm. Someone that not necessarily is going to give them a power bat or, or incredible offensive numbers, but someone that could go and get the ball on a night-in-and-night-out basis. I saw too many games in the last two years that the Mets had great starting pitching, and everyone focuses on what the bullpen blew, and rightfully so. But it's not even so much errors the defense made. It's balls they didn't get to. It's rolling the wrong cutoff, man. It was not, you know, being prepared to do what you had to do when the balls hit to you. I do think that with Hayter, you have to also consider the other factors off the field that he's done that in New York might provide a very difficult place for him to play. Mm -hmm. So. I'm not saying you run away from that, but I'm saying that you at least have to consider it. With Marte, Marte's proven he could put up offensive numbers. Also, Marte brings something to the Mets that they really need, a little speed on defense and offense. Mm -hmm. He can steal some bases, but he also can go get it center field. I always hoped that Juan Lagares would be the player that can be in center field, but he just was such an anemic hitter and just was out of the lineup too much with injuries that he never really got the opportunity to do that. I do think Marte is going to cost some players. Um, I know Hayter would cost players too. So that's something you have to consider. You have to look at your minor league system and are you willing to give up a Jimenez? I personally wouldn't give up a Jimenez for either player. I would try to package something that didn't include Jimenez because I think the world of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the defense up the middle is very important and it's important behind the plate too yeah. because we know Wilson Ramos is a big bat in this lineup and he has to be in there, but you have to have a backup that could give him a break when he needs it or give the pitchers a break when they need a break from Wilson Ramos. So I really do believe that that backup catcher has to be someone that can, you know, really feel this position and hit a little bit. And the name I keep coming up with the back of my mind, and everyone's talking about everyone else, is Austin Romine. Hmm. I think the Yankees have three players in the free agent pool that the Mets need to look at and consider. Number one is Dellen Betances. A Dellen Betances add to that bullpen rectifies so much because then you could put Seth Lugo in the rotation if you want. Mm-hmm. Two is Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner's proven that he can feel the position. He brings speed. He can also be a leadoff back for the Mets. I'm not saying it's a great pickup for the Mets, but it's something they consider. And then the third one free agent that I look at and I say the Mets need to take a good, hard, long look at him as well. We have Batantis, you have Gardner. Another another guy in center field no one talks about is Marcelo Suna. I know he played a corner position for the Cardinals last year. He's a free agent, but he did play center field while in Marlin. Tremendous athletic ability. I think he would man the big uh, the big outfield in City Field very well. He just performed very well offensively in a, pen, in a pennant chase that the Cardinals had with the Cubs. I think these are names that the Mets should look at because an Asuna or a Gardner, and I think Asuna's far better than Gardner, but my point is you don't have to send any players back for that. Mm-hmm. Now, if the problem is payroll, and we don't know whether a new owner possibly coming in, if the problem's payroll, but if it is, then you have to talk about maybe packaging a couple of high-contract players with a player that someone wants, like a J.D. Davis, mm-hmm. for example. But making sure that if you want to get Familia's contract, for example, off the team, that the team has to take Familia if they're going to get a young player. Um, and the other part of it is, is Brandon Nimmo an everyday center fielder, or no. is he a fourth outfielder? Fourth outfielder. If he's, a fourth, if he's a fourth outfielder, then he's a guy you can think about including in a deal for improving the team. 
Um, but these are all things the Mets have to figure out as the winter meetings, winter meetings approach. They have to figure it out pretty quickly. I will say this about the New York Mets. They were an 86-win team last year that showed that their starting pitching got them to that 86-win total. The postseason proved to us that starting pitching is far more important than any of these baseball analytic experts might want to admit. I think the Washington Nationals proved that, and to a certain extent the Astros proved it as well. So I think that you have to try to build that bullpen to support the rotation and build the defense, because I think the Met offense was fine last year. I think they had enough bats in that order, and who knows if a Ioannis Cespedes is going to return in the middle of the season. The problem I have with Mookie Betts is, first of all, I don't want him as a one-year rental. So if you trade for him, you got to sign him long-term. You're going to have to give up a, a, a stack of players to the Red Sox. And quite frankly, defensively, he's a much better position player in right field than he is in center. So if you get Mookie Betts, you still have the same problem. Who are you going to put in center field? Mm-hmm. And when if Cespedes comes back, your corner outfielders include Cespedes, Nimmo, Conforto, J.D. Davis, unless he's involved in one of the deals going out. And you're going to have to move somebody into a center field position that isn't a great center fielder. I would much prefer the Mets get a center fielder like a Starling Marte or an Azuna, have Conforto in right, have McNeil maybe in left or third, or J.D. Davis at left until Cespedes comes up. It's a much better long-term plan for an offense that did very well last year, much better than we thought they would. But the defense and the bullpen have to improve. And if they do, that 86-win win Met team could be a 90-win team. And I know today was a bad day for Met fans. Uh, well, it was a bad day and a good day. It was a bad day because they lost Zach Wheeler. It was a bad day because they watched the Braves sign Cole Hamels. They haven't done anything on their team to improve themselves. The Braves earlier in the post in the, in the offseason added someone for their bullpen, which they needed big time. But a Dellen Betances and a center fielder, I think, puts the Mets near the top of this division, and that's the way Brody Van Wagenen should be looking at it. And also, the other thing is you got Jed Lowry in the mix here somewhere. I don't. If McNeil's a third, I don't know where Lowry's going to play, but you know, continue. Cano continues to falter. Maybe Lowry plays at second. Maybe McNeil moves to second and Lowry at third. But in any event, Lowry provides an extra player on the bench that I think can be real helpful, provided he's healthy. Or Jed Lowry could be like Familia, one of those players the Mets trade J.D. Davis with so that the other team takes their contract. There's a lot that's good, you know, and I, I, I try to warn fans about the winter meetings, and you and I have talked about this for years, Lowry, probably too many years we're talking about how old we are now. But I think that the winter meetings to me is sometimes where deals are made, but it's also sometimes where deals are put in their incubation stage. And I think there are times the Mets have come back from the winter meetings with nothing, but a lot has happened after it. There are times when the Mets haven't done anything in the winter meetings or the rest of the offseason. I think this will be an interesting winter meetings because you know other teams are going to, have some trepidation dealing with the Mets until they find out what the ownership situation is because if it's the new owner making the decisions, then they may be able to trade with the Mets knowing that the Mets might not be looking them you know, get payroll off the team like Familia. They may be willing to take payroll. So maybe that trade with Familia is you take Familia, he's our problem, I'll take one of your problems, rather than just dumping Familia and giving them a young player in the mix. So it's going to be very interesting how that really evolves is. in the winter meetings. And if, if, 
if Cohen is not going to be making any decisions, at least through this offseason, then that could make it much different for Brody Van Wagen. And Brody Van Wagen is the quarterback in the fourth quarter, and he's going to have to call an audible based on who's making ownership decisions. It's going to be very interesting to see how that all evolves. Rich Coutinho, you'll keep an eye on it for us, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thank you, sir. You got it, Larry. Stay well, my friend. You too. Rich Coutinho, bringing you the latest on the Mets and the possible personnel decisions and the and the change in ownership. Interesting. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.